welcome to Deconstructing Fitness with Chris Wilkins. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not. And then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. So Chris, this idea of sitting in your discomfort, and I know with precision nutrition training, we do get to a lesson that says, uh, sit for five minutes in your discomfort. And like often I'll, I'll be, you know, usually it will hit me at night and I will be very much like, I want this because it's, I want like a nice cup of tea with some cream and some honey in it because it sounds really soothing and I deserve that. It's been a hard day or I'll be like, I need a glass of wine or, you know, or maybe a cookie or two cookies or five cookies while I'm watching this movie with my friend over Zoom because we can't see each other in real life. And, and then I think like, okay, well, I'm just gonna sit here with my discomfort. And I think that thought, like, let's practice this. And then I'm just like, no. And it's like this complete compulsion to just go do whatever feels good instead mm -hmm. of actually be like willing at all to sit in this discomfort, especially now because everything is so painful and uncomfortable for almost everyone in the world at this time. Right. So it kind of feels like, fuck you. My discomfort is all the time. And my comfort is my fucking cookie and some tea. Right. And I think this is one of the most important lessons in PN because where people often go wrong in this um, method is that they think they don't have to struggle. They don't have to try hard. There isn't going to be any discomfort because it's all just going to be so automatic. And that's fundamentally not true. We're not trying to say, you know, by using this strategy that you're never going to feel any discomfort. Discomfort is a part of the process because you're trying to do something different. Doing something different is never, never comfortable. If it is, it's probably not that different. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to build this as a skill as well. And the reason that PN starts with five minutes is because it's not a really long time. We're not asking you to permanently feel uncomfortable about something. We're asking you to get better at feeling uncomfortable because I think the, the uncomfortable truth, ha, huh, no pun intended, but the uncomfortable truth is we are way too comfortable in this society in the first place. Everything we sit on is comfortable. Everywhere we go, it's comfortable. The temperature is the same. You go in a building, it's like the perfect human being temperature. People don't want to go outside because it's too hot or too cold. We are never uncomfortable if we don't want to be in America. I mean, people drive to their mailboxes to avoid being uncomfortable about walking. And this is the problem. Okay. This is a skill and it's a necessary human being skill to push through something that's challenging. Hmm. And yep. the less we do it, the less we want to do it. So but the less reward we get for it too. This is where the most reward comes from is when you've achieved something that's difficult for you, you get the biggest reward. This is why people strive. This is why people do stupid, crazy stuff like climb El Capitan without a rope. It's like, that's the ultimate human achievement feeling because you risked this terrible, terrible fate to achieve it. Mm. If you don't, do the hard work. If you don't sit with that discomfort enough, 
you don't get the change that you want. And you will sit there and justify to yourself why you don't need to be uncomfortable because you deserve this comfort. Now, two really good answer. Two two things I want to ask and d- dive into a little bit more. Like something that will come up for me when I'm like, yeah, sit with your discomfort. After I go through the fuck you, everything is uncomfortable. I deserve whatever happiness I can find in my life. America. Uh, after I get through that, then I'll get to, or I'll just jump to this other place where it's like, it's really not a big deal if you have a cup of tea, but I will put like cream and like honey in it, which, you know, if it's like that on top of something else and on top of something else, and it's like adding to my overall, like, like put tipping me over, you know, what I really need that day. Mm. Um, how do you get to that point where you, t- where you talk yourself out of talking yourself into, Hey, it's really, it's really not a big deal. It's not gonna make a big difference. Calm down like that. Right. And that's actually, that's a really great point because that's the sneaky system your brain uses to get you to perpetuate habits. It's not that big of a deal. It's okay. It's just one hit. You know, you talk about alcoholics. I'll just stop drinking after my friend's birthday. I can't show up to her birthday party and not have a drink. I'd be the, I'd be the least fun person there. (laughs) I have to have that one drink. You will find a thousand reasons to justify it. And so some of the things that we talk about in, in the curriculum too, is, you know, we talk about future you, what's future you going to say about the decision you just made? What are the cold, hard facts of how many calories you need today? How, how are you managing your portion control? Is this within the guidelines you've set for yourself? Because restriction and self-discipline don't have to be the same thing. Self-discipline is what gets us up out of bed and gets us to work in the morning. Self-discipline is what gets us to brush our teeth every day. Self-discipline is what gives us the reward of, you know, survival essentially, because again, I'm going to go back to that three little pigs thing I used from before. That's a story about self-discipline. It's not about restriction or deprivation. It's about self-discipline, right? The first little pig has no discipline. He wants to go play. So he does a crap job on his house and he gets eaten. Second little pig's like, oh, that was a bad plan. I'm going to do a little bit better than that guy because I can see that that was an insufficient effort, but he still gets eaten right? The third pig is watching all these other little pigs play and have a great time. And he's like, no, I don't want to die. Future me is going to be pretty upset about getting eaten by that wolf. I'm going to finish this brick house. And bricks I mean, like, these are the hardest, right, these are heaviest things to do and the most uncomfortable to do. Yeah. That little pig was sweating his little pig face <laughs> off doing that house. And he was having a hard time and he's watching everybody else play. And he had the self-discipline to continue anyway. And this is, if you look at in Fitspo stuff and all these inspirational memes, this is what they're trying to inspire you to do is to be disciplined, but it's not the same mm-hmm. as beating yourself up. No, we talked with about that in a previous Fitspo, podcast too. With Fitspo, I feel like it's just like, don't you want to look like this model? And they give you some really ridiculous thing to this image to like lean towards, which I think kind of probably um, bites people in the ass and gets people to do the opposite. Cause it's like, I'm never going to get there. So fuck it. It's unachievable. Right. Yeah. So, and that's the problem too. And it's also focused on something that isn't motivational enough for long enough for people yeah. to stick And it's to not it. in your, no. not in your power to like grow your butt a certain way. Sorry, everyone. I know you're all like, if I just do enough squats, it'll be fine. 
I mean, there's modifications you can make, right? And yeah. and that's fair, but you have to also be realistic about like, you're not going to grow three inches either. You know, it's not happening. Like, there comes a point where you have all the knowledge that you need and you've done all the self-assessment and research and, and looking at your actual environment and your situations. And then you make a series of choices, right? You make choices about when we go through the red, yellow, and green light foods section and, and it goes through, you know, which of these foods do you not have control over? Like get them out of your house. If you refuse to do that. And I do have clients who are like, well, no, I'm not ready to get rid of the bag of jelly beans that I keep in my knitting basket. I'm not ready to tell my kids they can never have chips again because I'm not going to have them in the house. I'm not inflicting that on others. Okay, fine. But you've self-assessed that that's a trigger food for you and you're choosing to keep it in the house. So the thing that happens after that, you have you have to take responsibility for. What would be a red, what's an example? How, like if I'm sitting here right now, I'll just use myself as an example. I got some like bittersweet chocolate chips. Right. And I was like, that's fine. And I'm like, now I'm thinking, was that a red light food? I really fucking love chocolate. And sometimes I'm ah. like, I need it. I need it. Right. But can, so I'll give you my red light food because I still have one and it's not one food. It's a category of foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's dough. Okay. For me, cookie dough, pie dough, oh um, yeah, bread dough. dough, like real fresh bread. Those for me are red light foods. I can't afford to have an unfettered access to that because I never stop eating it. I just don't. Mm-hmm. I've tried for years to desensitize myself to it. I've tried all sorts of experiments here. I've tried using different flours and different, you know, ways to cook things. And I've tried just never having it around. And I've tried having it around all the time. And I'll tell you what, it never goes away for me. That's my definition of a red light food. It doesn't matter what you do. You eat more of it than you intend to eat. Mm, once you start, it's hard because once I'm sitting right now, like, I'm like, well, I've had those chocolate chips here since Tuesday and I haven't opened them or eaten them right. or anything, but I'm like, but if you open them, I bet you'd like eat them every, like multiple times a day. Well, that and better? that's, that's potentially a red light food because even yeah. if you don't open it immediately, it's once you do, do you stop? Can you portion control yourself with it? Well, because, but they're if chocolate chips, so they're not a candy bar. It's different. It's not different <laughs> when we start categorizing, categorizing foods by, you know, ability to reasonably consume them. Yeah. That's what we're talking about there. When I say we, I mean, I, I don't work for PN. I am a coach certified by PN, but like I look at this platform as the ideology that I use to work with clients. So that's why I say we, you know, but it's, it's definitely like, if you, if you don't want to put yourself, if you're an alcoholic, again, I'm going to use this. If you're an alcoholic and you've been sober for 10 years, you don't go to a bar. Don't go to a bar. Maybe that one time you can resist having a drink, but if you repeatedly just start frequenting bars again, eventually you'll have a drink. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it this way with food, if you have foods where you don't have portion control over them, like me with, I'm not, you know, this is, I'm not trying to preach to the choir or whatever. Like I, I have this issue. So like I can speak from experience here of like, I just can't have dough around all the time. There are specific types of like my husband, for example, he eats these um, Trader Joe's windmill cookies every morning. This man wakes up next to me, has a cup of tea and eats a freaking cookie. That's so British. Okay? He's so British. It's super British. And it's super not tempting to me because I don't love those cookies. 
for me, that doesn't count as dough because they're not a trigger. They don't make me overconsume. I can sit here and watch him eat that cookie and in zero way crave it. If he but, pulled out like an <laughs> edible cookie dough that he made from a recipe on Pinterest. No, if he I so totally for example, made for myself. Let's use right. Let's use another example from Trader Joe's. If every morning he was eating one of the jam filled raspberry cookies from Trader Joe's, my mm-hmm. ability to say no to that would very quickly disintegrate i probably make it three days a shortbread cookie what are those i mean it depends did you make them at home like i don't i don't have a really big trigger with store-bought cookies it's homemade stuff because they're like well this isn't special but homemade stuff someone made this and it's this one time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so you know i apologize to anybody who has ever given me holiday treats in the past like Um, me I made you chocolate. Like made me stuff. People <laughs> understand half of it probably went in the trash because I lost control and not because I wasn't enjoying it, but because I knew that if I didn't take control of that situation, I was going to be future me was going to be very upset with me for having consumed because it was that lovely lavender chocolate. Wasn't it? you made lavender chocolates uh-huh. and you homemade them. And I was so like, Ooh, I love those kinds of gifts. I'm very happy to receive them, but I also know myself. And so like, I also I, gave you a I mug. I hope you enjoyed the mug instead. It's true. Well, I didn't, didn't eat it. So, so far, Yay. so good. So if we go down to like a very micro level, just walk me through. So like I'm sitting tonight, it's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to be done with work, kind of. And then I'm going to, well, like I'm going to eat dinner and then I'm going to be all like, well, I also think I want either a glass of wine or a cup of tea and then maybe something sweet, some sort of dessert. Maybe I can make a dessert. I have some whipping cream in the house because I made I made creamy tomato bisque from a recipe. And now I have some whipping cream in the house and maybe I'll add some bananas and just make this whole thing. So it's like really artistic and, and beautiful. And it's not like normal, like going out and buying a piece of cake. It's like different. Okay. Whoa. Right. You can hear how many <laughs> levels of justifying just happens there. Are there are so many right? levels. And then I say to myself, we'll sit for f- like sit for five minutes, sit in the discomfort of being like, I want that so badly. I can literally fucking taste it. Mm-hmm. I want it so badly. Whatever. I'll start some other time in my life right now. I just need to get through the election results. I just need to get through my first two weeks at my new job. I just need to get through the coronavirus. <laughs> like, right. Like, it's so hard to be like, well, just sit there and just fucking sit there. It's like, well, but no, I'm not. No. So. So, okay. One of the things is, is you're allowing your brain to continue. It's a bit like when you talk to people with anxiety, right? And people with anxiety, their brains just latch onto something and create these elaborate videos in their head about all of the possible terrible outcomes about a a thing or an idea. And they can't let that go. They go down this rabbit hole, right? And so one of the most useful things, because that's basically what you're doing with food in the same sense, right, is you're going down this rabbit hole of food fantasy, which then creates a real life need, right? So either you can learn to embrace the fantasy and understand that it's just a fantasy. I mean, it's like, I could do that about Ewan McGregor. I could have a massive Ewan McGregor fantasy, but I'll tell you what, I don't have Ewan McGregor in my kitchen. I can't go realize that fantasy, right? So that's a safe fantasy, which comes back to setting up your environment, right? If you don't have those things in your house, you can fantasize about all that stuff all day. You can't act on it. 
So maybe don't buy all the ingredients where I can make a right. ridiculous dessert that I found a recipe uh-huh. for on Pinterest. This is about, you know, curating your environment to your goals. Don't so have, have it in the house. You will go out it. of the house and go to the store, which I would like right. almost never do at night. I would have to get on a plane, figure out where he lived, do some stalkery crap, somehow deal with his wife, who seems like a very lovely person. And then I would feel really guilty and then have him be like, no, because we weird. To, we might have to cut this out, but also like, <laughs> no, but no, also, don't like, no, just like funny and I'm not serious. Not that part. Right. No, no, no. I would, what my suggestion was just, I'm like, not going to stop you and McGregor for real. It's just, just close, an example. Just close your eyes and be all like Chris, um, Chris, your husband, not Chris, you, can you just like kind of do like the Scottish accent? I know you can do it. Just do it. Oh, I really can't do it. I, British maybe, but I think the point no, here is your husband. <laughs> No, he actually, okay. Oh, that's sad. One of the first things he said to me when we were living together and, you know, we were going to bed, he turned out the light and he was like, I bet I sound like James Bond to you in the dark. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you actually, don't. <laughs> not really. But, and he was like, come on a little bit. And I was like, no. <laughs> so that's oh, kind of a long joke. To, it's funny you say he that. to play James Bond. Yeah, if a guy does like a good Scottish accent to me, I just like, oh, that's a real, mm. okay. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, back on track. So the point of the, what I'm trying to say is that your environment plays a huge role in your ability to, you know, act on any of your intentions. So one strategy is control what's in your environment, right? This goes back to the red light foods, the yellow light foods, the green light foods, right? You can only do as much damage as you have in your house at the moment, especially under quarantine. You know, it's extra hard to go out and access things you shouldn't have, but it puts an additional barrier in place to action. Because when we're looking to create new action, we want to remove barriers. We want to make things easier for you to do. But when we're looking to eliminate bad actions or actions that you don't want to perpetuate, you need to put barriers up, so and barriers in your way to make it harder for you to do it. So, so you, the other strategy that you okay. can use is, for example, you can set a timer. You can be like, oh, I'm going down the food fantasy rabbit hole. I'm going to put a five minute timer on. If you want to lean into the five minute of discomfort part of it, put a five minute timer on and be like, you cannot act on this for five minutes. Okay. I did my five minutes. Now, how do I feel? If you still find that like you're going to get up and go execute that bad food behavior you're trying to avoid, then, okay, that's not going to work. So maybe it's like, okay, I'm going to set a timer for five minutes and I'm going to go read a book, knit a sweater, um, play with my cat, look at something else, talk to somebody, distract my brain from focusing on going down this rabbit hole. You have to have a strategy in place to distract you from that thought pattern. Mm. So what's it going to be? You know, this is coming. This happens every night, right? So take a different action. It's like, um, there's the five chapters of PN coaching lesson. I don't know if it's still in the new beta program. I'll have to check, but it talks about like, and I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but you, you know, day one, you go out of your house, you walk down the street, you fall in a hole. You're like, Oh, I didn't know that hole was there. Right. Day two, you go out of your house. You're like, Oh, that hole. Or no, you fall in the hole, but you're like, Oh yeah, I forgot. There's a hole here. Oh, and day three, you're like, oh, there's a hole in the street. Don't walk in it. And you fall in anyway. And you're like, God damn it. I knew the hole was here. Why am I in it again? Day four, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to walk around the hole. I know it's coming. No more hole. So you walk around the hole. And on day five, you wake up and you go down a different street. Okay. And you have to look at the action strategy. You've got to set up your first line of defense to so repeating one, the behavior. Get rid of get rid of your red light foods or you know just make them that much harder to like basically indulge in whatever feels like you'll feel good in the moment. 
Mm -hmm. You know, it's a trigger that's not going to get you where you want to go. And then step two, maybe like, yeah, sit for five minutes, be like, set a fucking timer. I, I can sit on the edge of my seat for five minutes and be like, oh my God. And then step, and I know, I think, I think in PN, you kind of started being all like, okay, if after five minutes, you still want that thing, like so badly, you can go get it. Right. Unless you're doing it every day and then you're not hitting your 80%. Unless it's a real, you know, like a real hardcore habit that's like keeping you perpetually off track. So then for me, since I've been doing this a while, so step one, get, you know, get rid of my, you've already done it. Step two. No, step I'm, one is fall in the hole. You've already done that part, right? I've done that. You're at step three. Step this one, is what I'm trying to completely fall in the hole and break your leg. Check. Step <laughs> two, drag yourself around the hole by getting mm. rid of red light foods. Step in the house. No, see, you're skipping steps. And oh, this dear. is part of the important part of the process is understanding like you're on step three or four, right? Because you fell in the hole the first time you didn't know it was there. Right. And then you came to coaching and you were like, Hey, I fell in this hole that I didn't know was there, but I'm on step two. I know the hole is there, but I keep falling in it. Like, I don't want to fall in this hole anymore. And it's like, well, okay, well, why are you falling in the hole? Well, I walk down the street and I take 10 steps and then on the 11th step I'm in the hole. Okay, cool. So we know that, right. Step three is okay. I keep falling in this hole. I need to do something different. So when you arrive at step four and you say, okay, I'm going to walk around the hole, you haven't gotten rid of that problem yet. Mm-hmm. You're still feeling those urges. You're still feeling the intense desire to eat when you don't want to right at night yeah. for you particularly. So you're actually on step four where you're trying to walk around the hole, but you keep going back to step three because you keep falling in it anyway. Right. Like so I will now circle I'm, around and back up just to <clears> fall in that <throat> hole. Yes. And this is common. It's not that like what's happening to you is uncommon, but it requires another level of action at this point because you've tried the basic strategies of like, oh, I know I'm aware. I know this is a problem. I don't want to do it anymore. Like sometimes that's enough to change a behavior. You know, you lock your keys in your car. You probably like super triple check that you didn't lock your keys in your car every time for weeks after that because the negative impact of it was so acute and serious right now that it was incentivizing to stop. The problem with repetitive eating behaviors is it's a long-term effect, right? You don't immediately gain five pounds because you ate a dessert. Can you imagine if it were that fucking and, you know, and then you go and you like, exercise one time and it's like oh my god I you know, have great biceps now like, right and I mean this is this is exactly why this is such a difficult problem to solve is because you're right back is long term it's not immediate oh, that's so high intensity pain I need to have a moment of like that's fucking shitty that's a stupid setup god yes. whatever like the fact that you're right because then you can go, go right back to what I said earlier where I'm just like you know what it's really not going to matter because it's yeah, like you can justify yeah. And I'm like, well, it's not like I can, re- I'm really linking up like, Hey, look at this data. This is because of my nighttime eating, blah, blah, blah. So, so for me, would you say, cause I don't, I'm not, I'm not really adhering to keeping uh, red light foods out of the house. Okay. Is that something you're willing to change now? Are you willing to have the tough conversations with the other people in your household about red light foods for you? Are you willing to not buy them when you have the impulse at the store to buy them? 
Well, my automatic response response, I just want to be all like, well, yeah, because obviously I want to change. But then part of me is like, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's such a it feels like such a weak answer, so pathetic. It just feels like well, I don't know, because I do want to enjoy my life. <laughs> and it's right, but, you're equating, but you're at this point, you're equating that food experience to the only way you enjoy your life. Yeah. Because you immediately in your head, this is where your resistance comes from, is this is how I enjoy myself. And if I eliminate this, I don't enjoy myself anymore. Therefore, why would I actually take action to do that to myself? That's not because good for me. That's what it fucking feels like. I mean, I'm being, having been like pretty much anorexic or anorexic for a year. I just remember going on all these trips and all these like things. And I would just sit there while everyone was eating and I would have like my tiny, tiny portion and just be like, okay, no more. And I wasn't allowed to do this or that. And I just remember being like, I hate my life. I remember being really mean to everyone. And I just remember being miserable. And that's what it right, because, feels like. But I thought... Is- I got great feedback from it. Great. I mean, I was a horrible, angry person, but everyone was like, you look amazing. Will you please tell me how to live my life now? Okay. But let's, let's look at the connection that you just made there because you made a very big black and white leap to a past experience, right? It's like, if I need to lose weight, I absolutely have to do it by starving myself and I can never, ever have any fun and I'm not gonna never, ever have any fun. Therefore, I'm not making this change. Nobody said anything about never having fun or having to be on tiny, tiny portions at all. And you've experienced through what we've already changed that you can make changes and see results that don't feel like that previous experience you've had. That's your brain popping up and trying to prevent you from making this change because it didn't like, or you didn't like the consequences of the last time you tried it, but you're not trying the same thing. You're not doing the same thing. You're not going to suddenly go from not having food at night that isn't helping you to feeling starved and unhappy and completely unhinged emotionally because you're not meeting your needs. Nobody's asking you not to meet your needs. In fact, what we're saying here, both of us, is that you want to meet your needs and that your behavior right now isn't meeting your needs. So it's actually, you know, this is the trickiest part. This is where the coaching comes in. This is where you need somebody else standing here with you saying, that's not going to happen to you again. That's not what you're going to do. What you're going to do is you're going to take care of yourself You're going to do this in a way where you are fulfilled and nurtured. I'm not asking you to restrict. You're not asking you to restrict. You're saying this behavior I am repeating every night is making me less healthy. Mm. I need to change that. (sighs) Yeah. Man, emotions really come up sometimes, obviously. It's like, yeah. God. But this is this is the hard work. This is the uncomfortable, right? I bet you're uncomfortable with all of those feelings that just popped up right now because oh, you're yeah. like, whoa, whoa. Well, part of me, I'm like, until I just said it right now, I was like, I'm sure I realized it. But part of me was like, oh, like, I think mentally I was always, I still think in my head, like, no, no, no. The point, the whole point is to get back to where you were when you were anorexic. Because look at like, like that's that's where it's at like that is where man you really 
like just the I you know I it feels like I guess the the more I that's try to success. apply yeah that's, success. that's what you feel like success was and it feels like the more I want to like implement these changes the more I'm just like hey guess what you're going back to where you were and part of me is just like no fuck you fuck you Right. Well, it's this gas pedal, brake pedal problem yeah, where you're like literally that, slamming yeah, on both like. pedals at the same time, right? <laughs> because like, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's really exhausting. <laughs> I mean, I bet you're pretty freaking tired. So I, pretty you know, just push exhausting. one pedal. I would love just to push one pedal a little bit. I just want to, I, mean, I just want to push one pedal. I really do. I really, so, <laughs> I don't do that. Week. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do analogy. Ready? Uh-huh. Stop driving like a 20 year old male. You're driving like a 20 year old male because you like the light turns green. You're already revving the engine. You're like, Vroom! you just floor it. And like, you're yelling at everybody on the road to get out of the way because you're so awesome. And then you get to the next red light and you have to slam on the brakes. But I want you to take that analogy and I want you to use it the next time you feel this out of control mental argument happening with yourself because I know I hear I hear the internal dialogue because I have it (laughs) I have the same internal dialogue where I'm like somebody made cookies you can have a cookie cookies are really awesome oh they're warm still do you have one oh you got to try it while it's still warm because they won't taste the same (laughs) when they're cool have one now and I'll have one it's like oh it burned my mouth that wasn't really satisfying I'm gonna wait five minutes have another cookie because then it'll be the perfect temperature oh god if you have another cookie you're gonna feel like crap stop eating cookies you don't even want a cookie right now you haven't eaten lunch go eat some lunch okay go eat some lunch so I go and eat some lunch I go oh cookies are bad again oh now now I've had savory things so I'll have a sweet thing now because then my meal will be done you can find a million ways to continue to rationalize self-destructive food behavior. Okay. And for me, I have not succeeded at fixing that cycle. So just don't put it in front of me. And I actually had to have a chat. I had a very heart wrenching chat with my daughter over quarantine because unfortunately the baking, she loves to bake and she is actually really good at it. And it is very annoying because it's like, it pushes all of these buttons for me of like, I'm really proud of you and you're so accomplished and gosh, you make really yummy stuff. And isn't that wonderful? And it makes you happy and you feel less lonely and all of these things. And then on the other side, it's like, yeah, but I had to buy a new pair of pants because I ate all your cookies again. Like where's the line here, you know? And so we had to sit down and I had to try with, an open heart to explain to her this. And as a 10 year old, she doesn't have adult processing capacity on this. And so she was quite hurt. Yeah. And so it was my job then to turn around and continuously reinforce her value to me for other things and for this and to set guidelines out for how often she could bake and what we were going to do with the baked goods if she baked them. And that has failed so many times now because she'll bake the stuff and we'll have every intention of walking across the street and inflicting it upon our neighbors. And I just eat the damn stuff anyway. So like, okay, still falling in the hole. I'm still falling in the hole, right? I'm not over here trying to say like, well, if you just implement the strategy, it's going to work all the time. <laughs> it works for me. Be perfect. And it works for me. So you just need to man up and do it. It's like, no, it's iterative. It's iterative. It's not going to go away. Like this, my child baking is not going to ever go away at this point. She's good at it. She enjoys it. Frankly, I am happy for her to do it, but it's how do you manage that? 
just like, you know, we're talking about how do you manage the other people in your house who are perpetuating these, you know, red light foods showing up in your house, despite you saying, I don't want this anymore. You've got to find a way to manage it. First time might fall on its face. Second time might go a little better. It might not. You can't give up. You have to keep showing up to this challenge. You have to keep showing up to the discomfort and you have to keep pushing through it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's all my, that's my response for you today. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. America. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I, and I hate to get all like, what's the word? There's a word for this. I don't want to sound preachy or anything, but it's like, if you look at this election, like either side Mm -hmm. is going to have some really bad feelings. And I think I'm hoping that Americans wake up to the fact that you can't be a non-participant in your own political, like, situation. You have to show up. It's so tempting to be like, fine, fuck you. You deal with the repercussions. But that's what children do. That's what children do, and that's oh why we're God. supposed to be adults. I literally had a therapist tell me that she put it like this. She's such a great therapist, too. Um, she <laughs> was like, she gave me like the metaphor for me because of you know, the black and white thinking. She's like, fine, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Oh, my God. I was just going to say like, that. That's so funny. That is like, <laughs> I remember, I remember almost literally doing that when I was a kid. I remember yes. such a stupid story. This is the stupidest story. But like, I remember being in elementary school and I was obsessed with Xena Warrior Princess and I still am major Xena fan. Everything about her is awesome. And... I remember me and my friends would play Xena and I would be Xena, but then this other girl, this new girl came in who had dark brown hair and I had blonde hair and they're all like, she's going to be Xena now. You can be Gabrielle because you're blonde. And I got so angry that I stopped hanging out with them and never talked to them again. And Buffy was just coming out and I was like, well, I'm not going to hang out with them anymore because I'm going to go then be Buffy and no one's going to tell me fucking anything else. Right. And I mean, we all have those tendencies. This is just normal human stuff. But we're supposed to, as we grow up, learn to cope with these emotions, learn to handle them in a way that's productive for ourselves and not let them rule our lives. And, you know, I hate to say this and maybe you're going to cut this out. But like if you look at I actually watched this morning the concession speech that George Bush Sr. gave when he lost because he's the last single term president we had that mm-hmm. was Republican. And the concession, concession speech he I gave. I he was single and, term. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, he was a single term. Um, the concession speech that he gave versus what Donald Trump is currently saying is like a physical, visual experience of the difference between someone who behaves like an adult and someone who does not. I mean, not wanting to like really polarize people. We're already all polarized, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, any, any like, any psychiatrist or very, very qualified therapist has said pretty much that someone who is uh, a clin- like by clinical definition is like a textbook narcissist, basically, uh, their their ability to grow emotionally grow past that child that childlike sense of like um, if you're you know if you're not with me you're against me you know whatever i'm gonna take my ball and go home fuck you guys that's not possible because narcissists who are extreme narcissists cannot actually they can't get past that so they are in that childlike 
mentality, you know, mm-hmm. for their for their life. And well, what it does is it limits their ability to self-assess. Yeah. Because any kind of self-assessment that reflects negatively on them, they can't bye handle bye. it because they're too fragile. And so that's why they get stuck there. And that's why, you know, not that people inherently are narcissistic, but those kinds of reactions that you have when it comes up against an uncomfortable truth about yourself or your behavior, it's why it's so important to have these tools in place to be compassionate with yourself. Yeah. Because when you don't... Like, otherwise, right. it's it like, is. I can't believe it because then... I'm a monster or I really need to work on myself and that's really scary. And yeah. Right. And it is scary to face up to something that you feel like you're not doing well because inherently the human brain is a success machine, right? It wants to tell you everything you're doing is right. I don't believe that there are very many people out there, sociopaths and psychopaths aside, um, who fundamentally take an action believing it's going to harm somebody else. Most people feel that what they're doing is right at the time. I'm making wow. this choice because this is the right choice. And you, you can see this play out. You can look at, um, you know, previous wars and how each side talks about their motivations and why they felt like they were right. I mean, no, nobody in a war thinks they're the bad guys. Yeah. Each side thinks they're right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's always easy to vilify an opposing viewpoint. And this is literally why we have to all be adults and be capable of of not shutting that down. You know, there's something they said about um, there's some sort of it was supposed to be some derogatory comment about Biden, about how Biden's always looking to make a deal. You know, whatever. Biden just wants to make a deal. And it's like, yes, that's what his job is supposed to be. His job is to move things forward, even if. He doesn't get exactly what he wants. He gets some of the things he wants. The other people get some of the things they want. And then change happens. You, this idea that you have to get exactly what you want, when you want it, or nobody can That's have anything. American and I'm going to take way. my ball and go home That's is juvenile. Way. But it's juvenile. And until we're able to move past that, That's and maybe I'm going to lose like, all of our listeners to this. But like, like, if you can't move past this personally, professionally, or on a cultural level, you're going to have some consequences you may not be happy about. Well, speaking because of, you, we are a really young country. Age. Yeah. So, I mean, and I mean, there are growing pains. we're still growing up. Hopefully we're growing up, not into horrible narcissists who aren't able to actually cognitively behave in a manner that is not like Well, I mean, I think even if we go down that path for a while, it doesn't mean it's irreversible. And this is again, back to coaching and this stuff. You can make mistakes, you know, not, Every mistake you make is irreversible. It takes a really, really long time of eating really, really poorly and taking really poor care of yourself to develop real lifestyle consequences or life, um, not, not lifestyle consequences, like um, uh, lifestyle diseases. That's what yeah, I was looking yeah. for. Well, I mean, that is, that, I mean, that is a consequence sometimes. But, but they're so far away, people often have a really hard time rationalizing their everyday habits with the outcomes they see. And I see this a lot with my clients who do have, um, you know, diagnosed lifestyle diseases, diabetes, and, you know, seriously like morbid obesity. And we're looking at high blood pressure. We're looking at all sorts of other lifestyle diseases, colon cancer, um, heart disease. These things are all down to stress, like also environment, complete, like, stress or like the the heart disease also that's caused by like 
constantly being under tremendous stress and hating your life and hating your job and never feeling like you get, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, I know that some, some people will be like, oh, that's a bunch of hokey pokey or whatever, but I'm like, no, no I mean, I mean, I know you and I believe like, yeah, like if, if you constantly, but some people are like, oh no, it's just like, I can eat healthier and I'm fine, but I'm also under constant stress. Well, you right? know what's fascinating about this mentality too, or this not mentality, but this way that humans just process information for themselves is that I've literally never had a client come to me and just say, I eat like sh shit. I would say 99 out of a hundred clients come to me and go, I eat pretty healthy. Oh, it's so hard because I remember going to you like the first time and be like, you know what? She's going to be pretty impressed, you guys. And I'm like, <laughs> thinking to me and myself, she's going to be pretty impressed because you know what? Like I like don't go to McDonald's. But then right. I make like, is... really fancy desserts for myself, but they're like fancy. So they're health food. <laughs> and these are, these are the things we have to be vigilant of. These are the things that make self-improvement hard is because we are wired to think that the things we are doing are correct and right and good we don't people just don't walk don't around all day education in this country <laughs> is that well, why we're I mean, so like, anti-education because it's like no fuck you i'm already right i already know well, things there is there is an element of this going on in the country where i think it it's not helpful that everybody thinks they know more than experts i don't i don't there's actually how we got a term there. for that. What's that term? There's an actual, like, I think clinical term for, for, I, I don't know. It's basically where you go into anything and you automatically think you're an expert. And <laughs> like, if I came to you and was automatically like, no, well, I know everything about nutrition. I know just as much as you, as you if not more. I've had um, those clients too. I've had yeah. clients show up and, and literally be like, it was a challenge. Every, every single interaction was a challenge like they were challenging me to prove them wrong and it was like I just is not gonna I'm not gonna do that like that's not how this works you know it's wrong. look at my keto wrong I did keto for three months and I lost 55 pounds but then I gained 110 back prove me wrong but keto doesn't work <laughs> that's actually what I've heard a lot um and if it, you know if it's working if everyone else is like yay fine but like I've heard so much from people in my life who have done they're like I did keto about for three months that's usually what people make it really worked and then and it really like worked not. and I lost like 20 pounds and then it's like <coughs> stopped and then you know I just don't seem to get back onto it and then I gained all this weight back but it really worked and oh, like, oh you know what it's called what 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 confirmation bias confirmation bias. it's called confirmation bias this this um tendency to believe that whatever we're doing is right check i'll have to check it but this is pinged in my head but i'm i'm pretty sure it's confirmation bias and you have to be really vigilant for it and it's part of you know scientific methodology training is confirmation bias training you know you have to look at what are my inherent assumptions what are the things that uh, i'm going to say are awesome <laughs> <laughs> because i don't want to admit that this could be wrong you know and, and yeah i think this is where sitting with discomfort gets really ugly. It's because you're challenging that confirmation bias. Yeah. And there's this idea, like, it didn't really occur to me till just now. I think there is also another term for that, but it's just occurring so. to me right now how many times not only do I think, especially with my anorexic past, but I've heard other people say, no, it works. It works great. You have no idea. You need to do this. 
But then they, they did it for literally X amount of time, very sh- usually short or maybe a couple of years. And then they completely stopped because it wasn't really sustainable. But then they're like, no, but it worked great. But I'm like, but if it worked great, worked it sustainable, past worked past tense. If it works great, you would still be all like, yeah, this is great. I'm still doing this. This is reminding me, I can't, I cannot remember whether this is an actual conversation I had with Dr. Berardi, whether he had this in a webinar or a seminar or or whether he wrote it down somewhere, but it really (laughs) stuck with me. And I I just, I wish I could remember from where, because then I could tell people where to go find this. But he talks about this friend of his that he would periodically go and have lunch with. And, you know, obviously he knew that Dr. Berardi was like a nutritionist and this is his field and whatever. And he would show up to these lunches with basically this, this absolute soapbox of uh, uh, dietary strategy where he would be like, but this is working. I, this totally works. I don't know why you don't believe in this or why you don't want to do this or whatever. And, you know, this is where the whole like, well, how's it working for you now? PN yeah. just not comes from is this idea of like, <laughs> okay, well, if this is, if, and, and he talks about like having this really difficult conversation with this friend of his. Uh-huh. And he basically is like, okay, well, you, you're saying this dietary strategy works, but you're sitting here and you're 20 pounds overweight. So it's not working. Right. And I'm butchering the crap out of this at this point, because I know he would obviously say it in a much less offensive way than I've just stated that. But that's <laughs> obviously essentially, you're failing idiot. <laughs> right. He didn't say that, but it was, it was this really compassionate way of pointing out that like, that's fundamentally not true. It's demonstrably not true, not fundamentally not true, but it's demonstrably not true because you are sitting here and you are overweight right now. So the strategy that you are employing to manage your weight is not working. And that's a really, really tough pill to swallow. Oh, yeah. Because you want to latch onto that thing. Like I'm sure when I was saying to you, like, but Chris, the one thing that really worked in my life was (laughs) when I was like anorexic. Like, right. you don't understand. It really, really worked. And I'm worked. just like, Past I'm tense. just like, yeah, I was able to keep it up for like a year before the doctor threatened to fucking put me in the hospital. Okay. And this is where using that past tense and highlighting that to yourself is important when you're talking to yourself about sitting with the discomfort and all of these excuses and reasons to go and have the thing that you want to have are coming up. It's like, no, that's in the past. I talk about it like it's in the past. It's not something I do right now. It's in the past. Therefore, it's not relevant to my argument now. Ugh. Ugh. I know. I Sorry, boy. I'm full things of... about things. And then I'm sitting here like, but I don't know, which is. You do know. Do you know? do know. Absolutely. You do know. You know. Deep down. Because you wouldn't feel guilty. If you didn't know, people who don't know, don't feel guilty. They just go, yay, woo. But I also kind of feel guilty about everything. Well, right. But why? I don't know. Okay. Well, that might be a good thing to play around with. That's like for therapy. I do. My therapist was also very much like, when I had a therapist, was very much like, like you're like you constantly feel guilty. And I know you've said that. And she's like, where is that? That must be exhausting. And I'm like, it fucking is. And I'm like, but I'm not, I don't have like, like horrible intentions. I don't feel like guilty about things I have no intention of doing. Yet I'll right. be like, it's really kind of bizarre. Well, so, I mean, 
just and this is overly simplistic of an, <laughs> an offering, but just put it down. Just put the guilt down. Just put it down. Leave it behind. Walk away from it. Some oh god, what was it? Oh, dude, it was some um, queer eye. It was an episode of Queer Eye and Karamo, you know, Mr. Culture and like I don't watch Queer Eye, but sure. What <laughs> wrong? It's wrong of you. You should totally be watching Queer Eye. I love Karamo. I would hug him in real life. He was doing this thing with this guy and he had all this guilt. He was carrying all this guilt around. And so Karamo literally literally takes him out into like some track somewhere uh-huh. and gives him all of these physical weights. And he's like, go walk around. You know, and like the guy walks around, you know, it's like a very transparent metaphor he was creating here. Right. But it, it like he's like, OK, tell me something you feel guilty about. And so then he would tell him something he felt guilty about. And he'd be like, all right, now put down one of those plates and let that guilt go. And he like turned to this this emotional sort of baggage this guy was carrying into physical baggage and then told him to physically put it down while he was talking about it. That's and the like guy was like, really oh, my powerful. God, you know, it's TV. TV. So who knows if this really worked? But it can be really powerful because you really are like physically giving yourself like a a kinesthetic metaphor where you actually have to act it out and be all like, I don't know if there's like a fundamental belief for me. And I'm sure a lot of other people and especially women, I know that women on average uh, compared compared to men, like feel a lot more guilt for everything. Um, Yes. But I wonder if, like, this is going to sound really religious, but I wonder if, like, my guilt is, like, if I don't hold on to all this guilt, then I will do bad things. Well, and that is a, that is a valid question. And you can dig into these reasons for doing it. But again, sometimes just knowing why isn't the point. Like, yeah, fine. That may be why. What are you mm-hmm. going to do about it? You have to do something. How are you going to put this guilt down? Put it down. Do you need so to go out? Do we need to do this next week? And I'm going to put yes. on some sparkles and we'll yes. go stand outside and I'll ask we, you what you feel guilty about. I've never and you'll seen put you the sparkles. That I have so, so many sparkles, actually. That's so funny you say that. Really? Brittany and I were just talking about this the other day. It's like, because as a trainer, you spend all this time in like black yoga pants because you, most of the places you work as a trainer, if you're not working for yourself yet, you have a uniform of black. So you just wear freaking black all day, every day. And then when you go out, you're like, I want to shine. And you end up in sparkles. <laughs> and I, I bought so many sparkly things when you I was told like, me that you have like, time in gyms. You have like an old lady uh, sequence baseball cap that you wear. Oh my God. No, I don't have that yet. When I, I say people that, like, I do have. sequence face masks, they're very distracting and overwhelming to me. I'm like, whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> the point is that you, you've just got to physically put this stuff down somewhere. Put it down. You know, it's like, aren't you tired? I mean, I'm going to repeat what she said to you. I've said it to you too. Aren't you tired of holding all of this? It's, how is it serving you? It's not. And you know the answer. Like, I'm going to say it for you because we've been doing this a long time. If you're a new client, and be like, Elizabeth, how is this serving you? And Can I be like, I don't even know. Well, that's okay. Let's explore it. I'm, but I'm not going to do that right now. Can I ask I'm going to tell really you. Put it down. Can I ask yes. a really irritating question? So irritating. <laughs> sure. Why my teachers either loved me or hated me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say right now, 
I've never lived without that guilt that I can recall. So what if letting it go means I go insane and start killing everyone? What if? Okay. I know it's a game. It's so ridiculous. But at the same time, it's what pops up in my head. Well, I've not lived without it, so I don't fucking know. And it might have dire consequences for my life. (laughs) Sounds extreme. What if? What if putting it down meant you could do a lot more things that you want to do? Like shove people off cliffs who play boombox while they're hiking? Because I, I, mean, I know you're looking at me. If you let go of guilt. Come on. You're, you're doing a great job of deflecting. I guess it's Don't it. deflect this. Don't deflect this because this is, the, this is the uncomfortable part. This is uncomfortable for you and that's okay, but don't deflect, right? Because this is something I actually got yelled at for in therapy because I tend to also (laughs) use humor and go extreme. And when she touched a sensitive spot or said something to me that I didn't really like the sound of because I knew there was too much truth in it, she would stone cold look at me and be like, don't laugh. Oh, that's so uncomfortable because it just makes me want to laugh more. Like, (laughs) well, it makes me have, I have another emotional reaction, right? But these are the, these are the moments where leaning into them will provoke change and deflecting more will allow you to stay the same. You know damn well putting this guilt down is not going to start making you push people off cliffs or go out in public and start being a full-fledged Karen all day long because you can, because guilt isn't holding you back. You know that's bullshit. You know that. You know that if you put this guilt down, you don't know what else to do with yourself. Instead, that's the hole you're afraid of. It's not that you're afraid you're going to take terrible action. You're afraid of the emptiness of not holding that guilt. Look at it like moving. Okay. When you have to move, you can't take everything with you. You put some stuff down and you leave it behind. And sometimes you regret it and you miss it a little bit. Just put that baggage in a house and leave that shit behind. Leave it behind. Mm. There's no danger. There's no permanent choices. You can always decide to feel guilty again. It's not a permanent shift. You can be like, I just don't feel guilty. And then like all of a sudden you're like, now I feel guilty about nothing. I stabbed that puppy and I don't even feel bad. Oh, why did I let my guilt go? That's not going to happen. Is it? You're no. still going to have a healthy amount I'm of guilt when you take an action. You're not supposed to have. Of course not. A human, but not like a okay. non-human. It's an extreme apple. example of something you would obviously feel guilty about, right? Because pe- people who hurt puppies not okay no you deserve but you see what i'm saying do you see where i'm going with this like you're throwing up a barrier because this is a a true thing you've had presented to you a number of times and it's really uncomfortable because it's a real cornerstone of how you cope yeah i think it manifests the most and i know it's going to manifest after we get off this call is like after we get off this call call I'm gonna like be like okay what do I need to do for everyone and I'm like what do I what are all my tasks and this and that instead of having to actually do anything for self-care that's exactly how it's gonna manifest it's just gonna be like I'm gonna give you a bit of a a crutch on it then so and this is you know obviously this can't be here forever but it's like when you get off this phone I want you to do some kind of physical exercise that you can currently achieve for 20 minutes before you do anything else, unless you haven't eaten lunch. And then the order should be eat some lunch, move your body. Okay. I can do that. I can do okay. that. Because here's, I'm going to use your guilt against you for a minute. 
to show you how you can leverage this the other way. Because okay. if you don't do that and you tell me that you are going to do it, the next time when we talk, you're going to have to tell me you didn't do it. Yeah. And I don't and like then that. Then you're going to feel guilty. Uh, feeling accountable. I love it. Like really. That really That's why I'm doing this to you. So, I mean, I'm not trying to get you off. That's not the, <laughs> that's not the vibe here, Liz. <laughs> no, but, that, but what I'm I am using, trying to do. Using guilt. So even though we're trying to get away, like putting the guilt down instead, since you, like you said, giving, just reframing it. So basically instead of being like, what do I need to do to take care of everyone else and ignore my needs and my self-care that I desperately need? I haven't had like one break today. Um, instead of doing that, I'm using like, Hey, you really do need to work out. And I do have feelings of guilt around that ever since I sprained my ankle but using that to be like, well, I know that that is self-care, that that is something that's going to lead me to where I want to go and make me feel better, a lot better. And mm-hmm. it's also something that's not like necessarily easy and it's going to take discipline, but I'm going to feel guilty if I don't do it, but that's okay. Cause at least I'm, you know, I'm headed in the direction of self-care versus something that is not. Yes. And you just led yourself around in five circles that got you where you wanted to go, but that's fine because if that's the pattern, your brain runs. It is. No, but it's okay. Like it's good because you flipped the script on it, right? You're not going to fundamentally change who you are or, or how your brain works fundamentally, but you can leverage these things. You can put down the guilt that doesn't serve you and you know which guilt it is, you know. The guilt that doesn't serve you. The guilt that doesn't right? serve you. Not the, you keep, not the good guilt. The guilt that doesn't serve right. you. The There's guilt no that keeps shame. you from from stabbing people in Walmart. Keep. <laughs> right. I don't go to Walmart because I know that's a trigger place for me that makes right. me freak out. See? Red light place. Yeah. Don't go. Also, so, you, you know, know what? TJ Maxx has already been, has also been that place. I cannot Ugh, stand I all the friends in TJ Maxx. My God. I can't do it either. I have a hard time so, with TJ Maxx. So I just stick to my five shops. Because <laughs> I'm an old lady and I go to the same Target, five places. HomeGoods, Michaels. Oh, my sister told me there's this other place that's like Home Goods, but it's called At Home. And I found out there's one about a five minute walk from my new house in Colorado, and I'm like sort of happy, sad, scared about it. Why? I don't know what I'm gonna do once I go in there. I wanna. I'm gonna look it up and see if they have one here. Anyway, so I mean, we've been through a lot today. I feel like, Liz, we've been through a lot today, and I hope it helped because I feel like we haven't really dug very deep into what's been going on with you lately, so I hope this has yeah. fixed that, no, even though we were supposed to do business stuff. No, but now we have a good podcast episode, too, which we do business stuff. If I hadn't been recording, I would have felt guilty and be all like, man, I feel like I had some transformation, but I didn't get to record it. Um, no, but you, you did record it, so we, we win. This is winning, win. right? This winning. is us making progress. Winning. <laughs> Yes. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. Wow. The more you know.